Okay, welcome to uh, podcast number four, No Room for Phonies. And uh, this, uh, this time we're going to take a little pause and uh, think of a little bit about grief and loss. And uh, I think both of us have experienced um, grief and loss, and I don't think you can kind of make it to your 50s without having experienced grief and loss in some form or another. <laughs> Although with people living longer, parents are tending to be around longer than usual. I still have a lot of friends whose parents are around. And then my husband's parents are both still alive. So Yes. Yeah, we experienced it very early because uh, my mom died very young. My dad died about nine years after that. And both of Charles's parents are both gone so his mother most recently but uh, sometimes I think too um, we can experience loss you know other than just death right there's yeah. other yeah. kinds of which cause grief as yeah. well I um, went to a counselor once who's very wise and sometimes you have these expectations in life and if those expectations are not met then you that can be a loss and so yes. grieving that loss of whatever that expectation is and to recognize that as a loss um, can also be a grieving process for sure it is and I think it sometimes has the same sort of sta stages that an actual death or loss has as well because yes. but I think and I think in some ways that's even harder because when someone dies people rally around at least for a time to support them. But if you have some kind of personal loss, like a job or a family member that moves away or an expectation that's not met, it's not recognized the same right. as, you know, someone dying. I mean, yeah. I think what got me yeah, thinking. Yeah, it was helpful I, to frame it that way. It was helpful for me anyways. Yes. To frame it that way and like, it, you know, loss is exactly that. It's a loss. It's letting go. And um, to let go of something sometimes is beneficial in your life instead of trying to make something happen that's really not going to happen. And so, But it's still a grieving process. But it's still a grieving process, definitely. Yeah. 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 And I mean... Um, um, I was what I think what got me thinking about this is I was watching the Remembrance Day service in Ottawa and they did an interview with the Silver Cross mother that was going to be um, doing the wreath for the mothers at the at the ceremony. And she had a like, I'm sure she her son had died in Afghanistan and she, I'm sure she, you know, went through a, a, a horrendous time. I, I can't imagine. But she. um she had a lot of grace and I just thought, you know, it's, it would be so like they were talking to her about her loss and, and she was certainly identifying that it was like a horrible thing for her. And I thought, you know, we don't talk about it sort of, it, it doesn't really come up very much in daily conversation. And I don't That's know true. why. Um, I think it's very personal. Yeah, um, and very uh, people don't um, maybe try to talk about things that they're not comfortable with. Like if people are not comfortable that, that with someone else's kind of hurt or sadness, 
then usually it's not a subject that people will open up about or and it's not something that um sometimes when you're thinking okay someone's going through something if i like just ask them about it or ask them how they're doing or recognize then i'm just bringing up the thing right that's bothering them and then maybe that's more upsetting than if I was just you know kind of around them supporting them or or whatever it is that you know you think is the right thing to do it's not like it's hard to know what to say like that cliche where it says it's hard to know what to say it actually is hard to know what to say Uh, and then there are some cultures where you just don't talk about these things right the um culture that my parents were brought up in, in, uh, in uh, England, you know, um, you just don't talk about emotional things. <laughs> yeah, no. And, uh, so people don't like to open up anything that might be emotional or uncomfortable, or you're not sure what you're going to get back if you ask the question. Um, right. It's like when people say, oh, how are you? And most of the time, everyone says, oh, I'm fine. Well, what if somebody said, I'm really having a lousy day. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, well, I got to go now, but I, I really was just asking you if you're fine. And <laughs> what I wanted to hear was that you were fine. And I don't, re- so, yeah. like, there's that aspect of it too. Do you really want to know how right. someone is doing, yeah. right? Yeah. And I mean, I guess when you think of, you know, this whole podcast and and kind of combating phoniness, I've tried to be more present with people when I'm around them and actually say, you know, yeah, I can see that you're hurting or is there something more I can, you know, can do or do you want to talk about it or whatever rather than just kind of um, freeze over it, freezing over things. But yeah. Um, I think, too, if you have experienced some significant loss in your life, then I think it makes you more empathetic towards yeah. people and, you know, what they're going through. And you you can have that understanding of um, what that feels like. And just, uh, you, you know, you've been there and uh, um, you know what it feels like to go yeah. through. And some people on, you know, some people we'll never deal with a loss, right? And um, it does take work and it is a process and uh, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it is, can be something that you have to definitely work through and it does take work to um, to deal with those emotions and those losses. And, and um, then there's the whole thing about, um, you know, uh, making sure that you get the right kind of help. But I mean, we can talk about that later on, but that's part of recognizing kind of where you're at as well too. Right, but I mean, we have had um, ourselves some uh, parallel experiences with um, loss, like um, both of us uh, have lost our mothers at what I would consider to be very young, a very young age. My mom was 57 when she passed away and uh yeah my mom was 65 so that's a you know that's a fair you know that's when when my mom passed away I had got when my mom was diagnosed I had been married 
I was actually on her surgery was on our first anniversary and uh, um, I was pregnant with our first child and I was like three and a bit months pregnant. And she, at that point she was given like six months to live. And mm -hmm. so at that moment, I didn't even know whether she would see my child, right. Or what, right. what that was all going to look like. So that was pretty traumatic. Yeah. yeah <laughs> say the least, you know, and um, so that was August and she passed and Zachary was born in February and she died on April 30th. So mm -hmm. It was all very, yes, like, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yes. And there's a lot going on in your own, own like hormones, just based yes. on you're pregnant, you've just had a baby, you know, and then, um, then the reactions of everyone around you, not everyone in my family reacted that well to everything that was happening. And there was animosity between the people as happens at funerals, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't usually bring out the best in people. <laughs> yeah, funerals are very interesting. Very interesting cultural phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, they are because they... Yeah. Um, All the emotions are riding high, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, and there was some estrangement in our family, which didn't help. But I just remember um, that the first year of everything was the most difficult for me. Yeah. So, it's funny because I think we met very soon after my mom passed away. Yes. Because, um, we, I decided to join that um, community play group, and I think that was in September. So my mom would have passed away in May um, right. before we, you and I met for the first time at that play group. So, right. And how? How old was, like, I'm trying to rem Colin remember was, how old Sebastian uh, One. Eric was three. Okay, so Colin was one. And so, um, and is Colin a little older than Sebastian? Are they the same? 22. Okay, so, yeah, so they're the same age. Yeah. So that would have been. So Zachary is a year younger than Derek, and then Sebastian and Colin are the same age. Yeah, so uh, Sebastian would have turned one in, um in June of that year. And so I, my mom had been gone like two years. Right. And then I think my Charles's dad passed away that summer. Okay. Yeah. Cause we would have just known each other because right. Charles's dad uh, passed away that summer. He passed away in July of that summer. Right. Uh, yeah. Because um, Sebastian was one. We had his first birthday and then his dad passed away. So, oh, okay. yeah. Ah. So, yeah. So it was like we said in the first five years of marriage, we um, lost, we bought a house. Um, we lost two parents. We had two kids. Like it was like, it was very one intense. Another. And then I stopped um, what was the bigger income job at that point and stayed home with the kids like I that was a, a really um, specific choice on our part but there was a lot of um, loss of income there <laughs> I mean yeah. I don't know that I grieved it but it was that they weren't easy times we didn't right. have a lot of money at that point so then you've got all this other pressure uh, right. too of getting um, do you remember when my dad got married 
Um, yes, I do. Yeah. So um, that, I think that was probably um, one of the hardest times for me, like missing my, my mom, like grieving my mom because she moved into my mom's house. She kind of did a ton of redecorating, even though my mom had like redone her kitchen and some stuff before she had passed away. So, and it wasn't, it just didn't feel like my home anymore. Yeah. I had the same, same experience. Yeah. So, because my dad remarried very quickly um, while we were still living in Welland. Um, so he met Joanne um, within a year of my mom passing away. And then they were married very quickly after that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yeah. that would have been the same I, for my dad. It was a couple, it was two years, I think, and he was getting married already. Like, to, um, I can't it's remember. It's not atypical, unfortunately, <laughs> for men. Yeah, no, for men, you're right. I, it isn't atypical. Yeah, but, but it, it was hard. hard. It's a lot of emotions, and our kids were very young. Yeah. Uh, and then I had another child, like I had Jana. Uh, right after. Uh, one year after my mom passed away, I had Jana. And so then I had three little kids and, yeah. and my dad, you know, and he lived far away. He lived in Sault Ste. Marie. So it was hard because you didn't really know what was going on. And it's not like you can just drive over and no, no. and I would, no. you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was a hard time for sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I had um, Sebastian after my mom died, but um, before, well, before my dad remarried, like in between that time. And that was another time when like all these things that happen that you want um, your mom, your mother to be part of. Right. And, right. and she wasn't there. And my mom would have, um, I think about that a lot now too. Like my mom would have loved my kids and mm -hmm. what, they, what they became and, you know, and, and what they studied. And, and whereas my dad wasn't really as engaged, he didn't really appreciate a university education or for, or even like further education. He didn't really understand that or, or think that that was important. Whereas my mom did, like, even when I brought my husband home, he was not like, thrilled that I had brought this like university master's degree person home he mm -hmm. he just didn't value that so I I feel like I missed that and my kids never really had grandparents so yeah yeah we didn't have big grandparent influence um yeah it's kind of complicated but yeah no yeah. and I think yeah. um and I'm okay with that on the one hand I mean I know my mom would have been a great um, grand, grandma, Nana, um, she, my sister had kids already and my brother had a few kids and she was, she was a great Nana. And, um, but when my dad met Joanne, then that just changed everything. And he changed that changed the relationship with us and our kids. So, um, this makes it very different. And that's yeah. a loss, right? That's another yeah. loss. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, I think it was a huge loss. Like, for my kids and, and just for, for myself, because I did see my, my um, siblings had all had kids before and it was the same thing. My mom was grandma and she did them like, it was amazing things she sewed for them. And her and I sewed a few things 
like for Zachary, like during, even during the time when she was ill and, uh, you know, I still have those things because that's all that I really have, you know, what, right. like the, because she was a, a seamstress. So mm. those are things that I, I just, you know, I kind of don't have, right. Is those, right. those things, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard. I think, um, the whole idea of coming to terms with uh, loss and then um, deciding that um, how you're, you know, how you're going to take what perspective you're going to take on that, like um, trying to be more um, engaged with your kids and make sure that you um, don't take anything for granted, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then you know, I mean, um, I guess the other thing is, is the the losses that I've had in my life have all been fairly abrupt. So I've never had that chance to really, um, you know, say the goodbyes or maybe say the things that you want to say. So that makes it important that you do have that communication because you never know. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. And in the two, you tell the people that you love them and um, take those opportunities when you can. Like in the two um, that I experienced, like right at the beginning, like uh, my mom never had, like never came to terms with the fact that she was dying. So um, we did not have the conversations that I would have had. And then like two years later, uh, Charles's dad um, basically was, his cancer came back and he actually did like he knew that he was going to die and he had conversations with people and really came to terms. I think he really came to terms uh, with that. Um, it was more difficult because uh, his like Charles's mother was not ready to accept it. So it was difficult for him to be really open about it, but mm -hmm he and I had a conversation about um, the fact that he was dying and that he was going to miss, you know, seeing the kids grow up and all the, you know, all the things that go along with living a long time. So it's just interesting, you know, from that perspective, sort of seeing those two, and there was a different in age, difference in age. He was in his seventies and she was in her fifties. I don't think we ever come to terms with young with you know that's a young yeah very young to to die right so but yeah i i um and yet i i don't feel i've experienced um you know some heavy duty loss that you know i sort of see around me i think mm -hmm. yeah the loss know. of a child i think would be something that would be quite devastating i'm sure and i'm sure yeah. Um, and I'm sure I don't have any doubt that it is. Um, so that really would be something that would require definitely, you know, a lot of work and a lot of help yeah. and support to, uh, to work through. And I think I found over the years that um, with experiencing different kinds of losses that um, I have become less, I guess the word would be judgmental about the way thing, the way people work through the the path that they have to work through, and and uh, because I've experienced some things where I, I just 
couldn't do certain things because of a loss that I've experienced. And, and uh, like, I all, I still find Mother's Day very, very difficult because my mm -hmm. mom died um, like two weeks before my first Mother's Day. Aww. So I always find that it really um, difficult to sort of maneuver through that day. And, you know, it's been like 23 years since my mom died. I should be over that. But I don't think that you can say that to people. I don't, right. I don't think that you can say, well, it's time for you to be over that right. aspect of your loss. Right. I think that in my when I was younger, I felt more like I had to be over things. And now, as I get older, I think, no, there's things that I can do to embrace the fact that that is an issue for me or that, right. you know, that it's okay to say, no, that day really bothers me or that upsets me. And that yeah. brings back memories that I have to kind of deal with or whatever. So right. I think that's okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the month of May is a, a tough one when the, it is Mother's Day. My mom was born, um, got married, and died all in May. That, plus, yeah. plus there's Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, which the whole month of generally, May. and that's maybe a whole other topic for another podcast, but sometimes our families don't, like, step up quite the way we would think that they might on Mother's Day either. So that doesn't necessarily yeah. help, right? They don't they don't um they don't share our vision for what the perfect Mother's Day <laughs> should look like. I, I yeah, we've had a lot of conversations about that, especially now that the kids are older, right? When they're young, they make these cute little things at school yeah. and it's all fun and cutesy and yeah, we've definitely um, had some conversations yeah. around that now that they're older and well, we had a funny conversation at the dinner table because um, uh, my younger son, Sebastian's girlfriend, um, something came up about uh, Mother's about Mother's Day. And I said, yeah, well, these guys have blown it so many years in a row that now I just leave town. And she goes, oh, that's why you leave town. Because I couldn't understand Sebastian's. I said to Sebastian, what are you doing for your mother on Mother's Day? And he said, well, she's she's gone. <laughs> and I was like, why? And I was like, well, now you know, because these people can't seem to get their acts together. So I just leave town. <laughs> and then we had a good laugh. But I mean, you know, on, on top of all the other things that happened in that time frame, and then when people are not as thoughtful as you would like them to be, then it just kind of. <laughs> I think we should do a whole, I think we talked about this, do a whole podcast on gifts and gift giving. Yes, gifts, gift giving. <laughs> like yeah. We have some extreme views in our Yes, we do. Very yeah. differing ones. <laughs> yes, yes. From the person that says, don't worry about buying me a gift. I'll just go buy what I want. It's exactly. Not it's not a problem to you and then you can give it to me <laughs> to actually wanting a thoughtful gift from someone that is meaningful that is not necessarily expensive but anyway so we can grieve that loss as well as all the yes, other ones yes. but i think um when it comes right down to it um loss and grief are really 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 messy mm -hmm. and that um and that is probably the most um difficult part of it right because there's no okay so then I feel this and then I feel this and then I feel right. this and then I'm over it it's it's 
different for you than it is for me. And some people are really, you know, that's what makes us human and uh, different would, you know, deal with these things so differently. Um, But I think the big thing is, is to know when you need help. Like if you're stuck, like if, you know, you can definitely get stuck in emotions or stuck in being able to deal with something. Um, that's, you know, probably a sign that you need to uh, reach out. And it doesn't have to be professional help. Like it can be friends. It can be a spouse. Yeah. It can be family members. Yeah. Um, but just, I mean, you know, recognize when, hey, this is not, um, I'm not dealing with this well. Or this is, um, this is affecting me in a lot of different ways. And I have done that myself. Like I've, when I, um, a lot of things happened at once, like you said, like you get a lot of things thrown at you sometimes all at the same time. And, um, and it's okay to reach out for help or say, hey, you know what, I'm not dealing with this well, or I need some help on how to get through this. Yeah. And I also think um, uh, you don't just necessarily, um, you know, needing help doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I can't get out of bed or I can't do this. Sometimes you need help just because you can't, you aren't, you just know in your heart that you're not the same person that you were and you need to find a way forward and you don't have to go forward as the same person, but you, you do have to go like you do have, you have to move forward. It's a strategy, right? Like And that's when counseling is very helpful. They just give you strategies for, you know, maybe you should try this. Or have you ever thought about that? Or reframing. Maybe sometimes you get get stuck in a mind loop and they're able to kind of reframe it and just say, hey, you know, it's a it's a totally a person maybe who doesn't know you and can see it from a totally fresh perspective and is able to kind of. yeah, give you some help, which is what yeah. they're there for. Yeah. And I mean, when I, um, and I mean, I know this isn't a like a loss that most people grieve, but when I first retired, I found it very, very hard because I was working, you know, 14-hour days, and I was really, really had a lot to do all the time. And then all of a sudden, you kind of don't have, you don't have that. So, I mean, my strategy was to make a list of things that I needed to do every day Mm. and and to work through that list so that I just wasn't, you know, at loose ends, at loose ends and not not to engage in daytime TV. Yeah, that's my rule, too, (laughs) because daytime TV, um, you know, it, it's like that old the old tales that you hear in the 50s, I guess it was, when women were watching soap operas all the time, and that's what they did all day. And, you know, so it's, you just have to find yourself a path and, and, and kind of push yourself at times to go forward. And if you find you can't push yourself, I think that's when you need help. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, and other reasons too, of course, like, you find yourself crying all the time, like all the time. And (laughs) even though hormones make you cry and all kinds of other things make you cry, you shouldn't be crying all the time. Yes. Or if you just don't feel like, yeah, you can get through the daily um, things that you need to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, um, even when you go to talk to somebody about 
it that it sometimes it's just really hard to explain mm. right? and sometimes that's why you need a professional because they can kind of ask you the right right questions so that you can sort of get at what is really going on going on in your head and uh no shame in that right but yeah, uh, yeah. no it's an it's an interesting topic i think we could talk about it you know for for quite a while and probably we'll circle back to it as we um talk in other podcasts about family and uh raising um adult children adult children although they're they're supposed to be raised by then but it doesn't seem to work <laughs> that way but uh it might be fun to talk a little bit now about our through hike. Okay. And, uh, I want to publicly thank my friend uh, Tracy uh, Giesbrecht, who not only commented on her on our podcast and said that she listened to all three episodes, which I thought was pretty miraculous, and felt like she had sat down for coffee with with us, which made me happy. But then she. Um, they live uh, in the UAE, so she said to please announce that we have an international audience now. <laughs> well, that's is, exciting. Hi, yeah. And um, but she sent um, some of her ideas about the um, about our hike, and uh, so she had talked about the iconic. I think it's called Camino de Santiago. Yeah. The yeah, one. Very. I have a friend who just came back from there, actually, and I know people who have done it and. My, it's very busy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that it's that very, one. I don't think we're looking for busy particularly. Mm -hmm. I know I'm probably that. It's supposed to be beautiful, and it is. It is a. It is a, a Catholic pilgrimage. Is basically what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's six weeks, and um, yeah, it's supposed to be beautiful scenery. Um, but uh, wouldn't wouldn't be at the top of my list. No, that's for sure. And Although then she said. And then she sent me a link for the 13 best hikes in Scotland, which yes, Scotland is gorgeous. I've done the West Highland Way in Scotland and uh, the Highlands of Scotland are stunningly beautiful. And I also have family there. So that's yeah. a bonus. I love Scotland. And then um, she also talked about the extensive walking pass through Euro Europe called the GR and uh, one in France, one in Holland, one in Portugal. And yeah, one I'm not really familiar with those ones. That could be interesting to check out. So anyway, they're like they're called they're called GR because they're like Grande Randone. I don't I don't know how to say all these words. The Grand Rota is in Portugal. Anyway, they they actually do exist. Those things. And then um, she was talking about someone called Elizabeth Gilbert who yeah. um, walked the coast of France with a friend and has a blog called what if we walked anyway it's probably time for us to get sort of serious about you know kind of where we want to go and then you mentioned about uh, you've talked about croatia yeah which um, yeah there's some beautiful walks in croatia um on the coast there's also the amalfi coast in italy which is uh, very beautiful um yeah no lack of uh, great places to go so i guess we'll have to pin it down and see um see, see what, what appeals to us how long we want to go and uh yeah. um, you know how you know you base it on how many kilometers you want to walk per day so we'd probably have to map out a route on how far you want to go per day yeah and then um 
Well, my husband has has uh, volunteered to like drive between the places and carry all our stuff. And I said, that's not how this, I don't think that's how that's. Well, you can, like, I have done hikes where you actually, a company takes your um, luggage. Your stuff? Yeah. yeah. So you just yeah. basically carry a day pack that's got your, um, um, your, you know, weather gear and some snacks and, you know, a map and all the water and all that kind of stuff. And then right, you know, right, right. takes the shuttle. So yeah, if Charles wants to do that. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> And I know um, uh, we have talked uh, for several years, he and I, about going to Scotland as well. But I know Croatia, like, um, is very beautiful, eh? Like, it's well, a Dubrovnik is unfortunately experiencing over tourism due to the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, of course, right? I, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. Never watched. No, it. me either. Um, but apparently, the place is overrun with people who watch the show and want to go there and um, see the scenery. But Croatia, once you get out of Dubrovnik, um, I mean, there's lots of places to go. Yeah. So I guess um, I don't know. We'll have to. Uh, I think probably the first thing is deciding how many like kilometers we want, we are going to be able to walk per day. Mm -hmm. Right. And it depends on the terrain, right? So if it's yeah. hot, you can cover more kilometers. If it's, if we're going to go to a region that's more hilly, then obviously you can't cover as much, as much uh, ground as you would if it's flat. So, um, yeah, those are uh, some companies like, you know, will actually map out a route for you. Like if you say, Hey, I want to go here. There are companies that will say, Oh, well, here's, here's a route. You can do it in this many days, this is as many kilometers you would have to walk per day. And then they help you set up accommodation and that kind of thing as well. So that's a route we could go as well. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, and I think that's what I might look into is uh, is some different companies because, uh, you know, that might um, help us in even in podcasting, right, in talking about different companies or different things what that are i've used is called mac adventures and they're based out of glasgow scotland okay very good i've used them two or three times um they're quite good um so that's a potential one yeah all right well g adventures which is a canadian company and they do that kind of thing as well right so it depends whether we want to wander somewhat on our own or whether we want to have a more um directed you know what i mean more yeah planned out for us or us planning it ourselves so that's another decision that kind of has to be made but uh all right so we'll um we'll try to find we'll try to decide on a place in the world maybe in the next month <laughs> or so and then maybe take it from there yeah um, yeah it's forward. exciting yeah, it is exciting. I I'm really excited about this aspect of it, and and the whole um, fact that we are trying to live out this whole idea that um, moving and keeping moving and, and keeping setting goals and doing all that as you are um, aging is is such an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, good. All right. Well, we'll be back again. With already, I can't believe it, podcast number five will yeah. come very soon. And, and uh, yeah, it's been great again to be back talking and, 
and sort of examining the different things that have happened to us in our lives and how it impacts us now. And uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Talk Good. To you soon. All right. Take care. Bye.